This podcast contains a light-hearted discussion of international foods where we will likely pronounce words incorrectly, get some facts wrong, be politically incorrect at times, and accidentally offend people through cultural stereotypes. If you can handle all that with good humor, then grab a drink and let's do this. Welcome to The Dish, the show that uncovers the stories behind the world's most famous dishes. We are your hosts, Tomo and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us and expert guests with tasty facts, foodie secrets, and more. In this episode, military coups and political propaganda, we uncover the surprising origin story of Thailand's national dish, the Pad Thai. Plus, some of our favorite places in Thailand to eat Pad Thai, and the chance to eat a Pad Thai with a difference. It is wrapped in a thin omelette, so it is actually fully contained. The whole Pad Thai is contained within this one omelette, and then you crack the omelette open, and you've got this really delicious Pad Thai inside. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of The Dish. Yes, today we are focusing on a brand new dish that you can hear all of the history, crazy facts, all the just kooky stories that go on with these dishes that we eat like regularly, but you just have no idea about their backgrounds. Yes, today we are focusing on just one dish, the Pad Thai, which is Thailand's national dish. It is also a dish that is world famous. It is actually claimed to be one of the dishes that you can find pretty much in every place around the world, at least every country. Yeah, I guess it has, I mean, being a national dish, it has become significantly famous everywhere, as national dishes often do. And we were surprised to find out that perhaps it is not this ancient magical dish of Thailand. They keep doing that to us, don't they? We have been surprised many times that when we've researched something that we thought must be, well, this is the authentic national oh, food. Oh, they've been cooking this for donkey's years. It's been around forever. How long is donkey's years? I don't know. They don't live that 24. long, do they? 24 years. So if they've been cooking this for at least 24 years and longer than that, then that's a long time. Apparently. Well, oh, okay. So then they have been cooking it for longer than 24 years. So Yeah, but that's only if you're a donkey. If you're not a donkey, then it doesn't really matter that they've been cooking it 24 years. Do donkeys have similar to dog years? And that's what they're talking about. I don't know. They don't bark. No, but the barking has nothing to do with it. It's just dogs age quicker. So like if you have like an 18 year old dog, they're really like 706. I thought it was the barking that made them get older faster. I've obviously read the wrong information. Oh, I haven't read any information. Yeah, I just thought like every time they bark, they lose a few hours off their life. It's like smoking. <laughs> Is that not how it works? Because, sure. Well, sure. Humans don't bark. Elephants don't bark. I've heard some. I've heard some humans bark. Yeah, but they bark very occasionally. If you only lose a couple of hours. There was a guy hours, on the beach the other day that was barking at us. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to live much longer. Uh, so, yeah, you know, most animals don't bark, and some of them live longer. Then again, I suppose like hamsters don't bark and they don't live very long at all. I don't think your theory holds up. Uh, I shouldn't read these Reddit threads. They obviously don't make any sense. No, no. Anyway, 
<laughs> so that tie is not an ancient dish. Well, we're going to tell you exactly when it was invented and how it was invented and why it was invented later in the episode. But first of all, let's talk about what pad thai is and get through a few Thai cuisine basics. Yes. So if you actually have never had a pad thai, which my dad probably hasn't, probably not. Uh, pad thai is a stir fry dish that is made up of rice noodles, very important, egg, tofu, shrimp. Tamarind and vegetables. It's also got some crushed peanuts on top, and as we mentioned before, it is of course Thailand's national dish. Now, of course, you might be saying, "But I have my pad thai with chicken in." Well, yes, there are lots of different variations of pad thai now, but that's the original configuration. Yeah, and we will explain why that is uh, a little bit later on in the show. See, all right. Now let's talk about the four elements of. Thai cooking. Now, there seems to be this crazy contention that there's actually five elements of Thai cooking. But let's talk about the four main ones that we learned about when we were doing cooking classes in Thailand. First of all, sweet. That is your cane or coconut palm sugar, or perhaps sweet pineapple. Yes,、uh, or perhaps some other sort of sweetness that comes from other fruits and vegetables. They do love their condensed milk these days.、Mm, condensed milk, but you know, sweetness in general. Those are some of the main things they might be using. And then sour, also important. Lemon, lime, tamarind, pawpaw, papaya,、uh, raw mango, sour pineapple, and assortment of other sour fruits. And salty, which will include just salt. Yeah, sea salt. They have salt.、Uh, of course, soy sauce. Fish sauce, which is used a lot, or sardine and other fish pastes. Ooh, sardine paste. Gross. Doesn't sound that great, does it? Nope. And of course, you've also got、uh, shrimp paste, which is very important in Thai cuisine. Yes. Then, of course, finally, we have our hot. Because what would Thai food be without its hotness? Yeah. So you're going to be mixing up your chili peppers, which did arrive. To Thailand a little bit later on,、mm-hmm. they have not been around forever. Fresh and dried. You also get regular pepper, black peppercorns, and、uh, oh, maybe you can get your kampot pepper sometimes too. Kampot peppers from Cambodia,、mm. specifically all different types of colours of peppercorns. So yeah, peppercorns can be hot, but they're not as hot as chili, are they? So the interesting thing is, a lot of people actually specify that the pad Thai is the national dish of Thailand, but it doesn't actually specifically contain any Thai. Ingredients. Is this true? We're going to figure out how many of the ingredients in a pad Thai are really Thai or Southeast Asian ingredients. Yes. So let's have a look at some of the ingredients. So let's do a quick reminder of what those ingredients were again: rice noodles. Sounds Thai, but is it? We're going to find out.、Uh, rice noodles that have been stir fried. Specifically,、yes. stir frying is that Thai? Is it not? With eggs, tofu, tamarind paste, fish sauce, dried shrimps, garlic, palm sugar, and red chili pepper. Often served with a squeeze of lime. And of course, those dried shrimps differ from shrimp paste. Shrimp paste is where it's been fermented. The dried shrimps are just little dried shrimps that they throw in, so you actually can sort of see these tiny shrimps inside the dish. Okay, so let's do a bit of a lightning round and break down some of the ingredients and where they came from. Eggs. Well, actually, chickens come from Southeast Asia. That's where chickens originate. So definitely. Somewhere around that region, they'd have been having eggs forever. All right, so they get a they get a point for eggs. One point. Okay, in the sauce they have tamarind.、Uh, they don't actually use the lime in the sauce. That is more of a、uh, sprinkling garnish at the end. But they do use tamarind. But tamarind is actually probably indigenous to tropical Africa. But it has actually been cultivated for so long on the Indian subcontinent that it's actually sometimes reported to be indigenous there. And it reached Southeast Asia. 
likely through human transportation, several thousand years BC. So, you know, I'm going to give them that. You've got to give them that, really. I mean, you can't say, oh, it didn't grow there 10,000 years ago, so that doesn't count. It's been there for so a while. So that's two points already, so they're not going too bad. All right. Uh, they also use fish sauce. Well, they should use fish sauce, not soy. While we do mention that they could use soy, fish sauce is what should be used because it kind of tastes better. And in fact, if you're buying a cheapy pad thai on Khao San Road, they are probably using soy because it's cheaper than fish sauce. You don't want that. No. Interestingly enough, fish sauces were widely used in ancient Mediterranean cuisine. And the earliest recorded use of a fish sauce was by the ancient Greeks, who made a fermented sauce of the scraps of fish called garos. So the question would be, was that just earlier recorded or was it the first time it was being made? That is the question. They also do say that fish sauce was also independently evolving in China and they made sauces from fermented fish parts uh, with other ingredients such as meat, soya bean, you know, that was all added to it. And they've got their earliest recording in China of about 2300 years ago. So it could be somewhat similar timeline, really, just depending on the sources. Did I say sources? Uh, I see what you did there. Okay, let's talk about palm sugar. We've got a we've got a possible minus one there because fish sauce is more Chinese or European. Mm-hmm. Palm sugar. I found out that there are different types of palm, but palm sugar can come from many different types of palm. So here's my conclusion, although the internet information is sketchy. All right. So a lot of sources say that palm sugar is made from the sap of the date palm, which grows dates, not coconuts. But then there are also other sources uh, that are very specific that coconut palm sugar is made from the sap of buds on coconut palm trees. And of course, coconuts, as we discuss in the Bangkok episode, we might mention again later in this one, Coconuts originated in India and Southeast Asia, which means there were coconut palm trees in this region for a very, very, very long time. So it depends on the sort of palm sugar you're getting as to which tree it comes from. But although the sources online are a little bit confused, it seems like palm sugar is definitely being made from coconut palms. It's just in coconut palms rather than one type of sap. It's being made of the sap from the actual the buds. Okay, the buds so they've, from the coconuts. they've kind of just like pivoted on that and just made it their own thing. So no one seems to be able to make up their mind and all the sources online are just conflicting with one another. But I reckon pretty sure uh, that if coconuts came from that region, then palm sugar, definitely. I'm giving them a tick for that one. All right. Okay. So the next ingredient, rice noodles. Yeah. So rice noodles originated in China during the Qin dynasty, spelt with Q, Q-I-N. Mm-hmm. We're assuming Qin. And that was around 259 to 210 BC. So really, rice noodles have been consumed around China for more than 2,000 years. Yeah, this is definitely not a Thai product. But historical records suggest that people from northern China, where wheat noodles were a staple dish, invaded south China, where rice was the staple. And the northerners were not too happy about having to live on a rice diet. So instead, they figured out a way to make noodles from rice. Yeah, and over time, this method of creating rice noodles, it moved all the way around Asia and became especially popular in Southeast Asia. So that's how rice noodles made it to Thailand. I can't give them a point for that. That's very Chinese, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's still very delicious that they put rice noodles in the Pad Thai. Also dried shrimp. Now, I don't think anyone's going to contest with them that they were getting dried shrimp from the local rivers in the area. No, so that's another point. That's pretty easy, really. One of the biggest ingredients that might be argued is, of course, the Thai chili. We would be talking specifically about the bird's eye chili. Did this, in fact, come from Thailand? No. 
No, no. it's very, very well recorded that chilies come from the Americas. And in fact, you're going to hear this from us throughout this series and probably future series as well. Chilies come from the Americas. So any spicy dish that is in Europe, in Asia, it didn't have chilies in it until more recently. So that's it. That's a definite no-no. It's a definite no. And of course, your garnish of peanut. Uh, they say that peanuts started in northwestern Argentina or even in Bolivia. Well, domestication of peanuts started in those regions, which means that somewhere near those regions, the peanuts must have been found. There were no peanuts going on in the old world. They are definitely a new world thing. So the peanuts is a no. Okay, so putting all of those ingredients together, can we say that the pad thai is a truly Thai dish? Well, for the ingredients, I would say it's close enough. We've had like three no's and about five yeses. But one important thing that we didn't talk about is, of course, this is a fried noodle dish. And fried noodle dishes really came from China. That's the history. And that moved down south. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about how that got into Thailand as we get through this episode. But as for the lightning round, I think it's just got it. It's just more Thai than not Thai. Yep, I'm going to give it to them. So let's uh, move on and we're going to find out a little bit of the history of the Pad Thai and how it came to be such a national and actually one of today's worldwide favorite dishes. So Pad Thai literally translates to fried Thai. And that could be confused as being it sounds a, little a bit of cannibalism odd. going on, but it's not. <laughs> it sounds a little odd, uh, but we're actually going to explain where the title came from and its background very, very shortly. So you might think that Pad Thai is the ancient dish, but as we alluded to at the start, it's not been handed down from generation to generation. It's actually pretty modern. Pad Thai is the outcome... Da, 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 of a competition that was held in Thailand in the 1930s. That's right. So 1930s. Let's go back to the late 1930s, where a lieutenant colonel by the name of Palak Pibun Songkram, or we're going to call him Pibun, he came into power in Thailand. Now, Pibun was one of the leaders of a military branch of the People's Party that staged a coup. They overthrew the... Coup boys. Coup boys. Doing some coups. Naughty, naughty. Is that the coup boys? Uh, maybe. Anyway, that's that's their theme tune. Uh, they overthrew the absolute monarchy in 1932. Now, in doing this, he decided to place himself as prime minister because why not? Well, that's what you do when you have a coup, right? Yes. They actually did put another king in place, but he was off in school in Switzerland, as you do, and Pibon put himself in control as prime minister and took over the day-to-day -day running of Siam, as it was known in those days. Yeah, it wasn't Thailand back then, it was Siam. Yeah, so Pibon instituted many changes and the country found themselves adjusting to this new leader who was really super keen on making the country more westernized. Why... Was he interested in this? Well, it actually turns out that Thailand, as we just mentioned, was called Siam at the time. And it is a Southeast Asian country that has never been under the control of a foreign country, unlike many of its neighbors. Pretty much all of them. Cambodia was under control of France. So mm -hmm. was Vietnam. Yep. Burma was under control of the English. Malaysia had English representation there. Singapore was very, very English. 
even up into India was British control as well. So the, everything around there, except for Siam, had never had foreign control. And he wanted to keep it that way. Uh, so the way that he figured World War II was looming, and he figured that the way to make sure that Siam and his country was not taken over by another foreign country was to westernize it and modernize it. And he did that in a few different ways. One, he changed the country's name from Siam to Thailand. Now, this has kind of gone back and forth a little bit. Like in 1946, it got changed back to Siam again. And then in 1948, it went back to Thailand again. Only very briefly. Very briefly. But since then, it has been changed from Siam to Thailand. And apparently, Thai means free man in the Thai language. So a pad Thai means fried free man. If a free man gets fried, I don't think he's very free. Yeah, but it's more of the, the nationalism that goes around it. It's like, this is our fried dish, our fried freedom, like this, this... Deep fried freedom. Deep fried now, that sounds freedom. like a pretty good call to action. He also implemented a few other things. People should salute the flag in public places. People should eat with a fork and spoon. This was brought in at this time rather than eating with their hands, which was customary at the time. He also said that people should wear hats in public because... Onion on the belt? Because that's why I wore an onion on my belt, because it was the style at the time. Uh, so, you know, he implemented all of these things. And another way uh, that people aimed to strengthen the Thai nationalism was to instill a national image and pride by improving the national diet. Yeah, so at the time, rice with some chili paste and various fresh leaves and salt was just like a staple subsistence food that anyone working out in the country would have been eating. Even people working in the cities might have been eating. It's like a easy-to-eat lunch snack. You could buy it from Chinese vendors around in the cities, or you could just make it at home. But to change this, instead of having this very basic dish as a, a sort of national standard, Pibun decided he would hold a competition asking people to come up with ideas to create a new national dish for Thailand. Now, apparently the winning entry was a plate of rice noodles, preserved radish, bean sprouts, peanuts, and egg. What we now know and love today as Pad Thai. Deep fried Freeman. Deep fried <laughs> Freeman. Oh, fried Freeman. <laughs> so the funny thing is... These mandates were created to make Thailand a more independent and modernized country and ultimately less influenced by China. But the interesting thing is that the new national dish, it, it just simply doesn't escape its ties to China. As we mentioned before, a lot of the ingredients found in Pad Thai isn't crazy native to Thailand, but we'll give them, mo we'll give them most of it. But the simple fact is, is that as soon as it's stir fried, it makes it a Chinese noodle dish. It almost seems a little unfair that they just happened to do that first. They fried some noodles first. And now any uh, country that does fried noodles is like, nah, Chinese. Yeah. It's Chinese. But, you know, as Thailand does, even though the, uh, the dish's roots are still very Chinese uh, with, the, with the way of cooking, they managed to take it and give it their own sort of unique spin and give it their own flavors that would suit the Thai palate. Yeah, and the tamarind, was, yeah. the palm sugar, chilies, all of these ingredients, even just the little dried shrimps. Uh, it's something that makes you think of Thai food, even if it is a Chinese cooking style. It, well, it's like an international, it's a Chinese cooking style. It's a couple of ingredients brought in by traders and a couple of local, you know, ingredients all mishmashed together to create this new thing and it's a fantastic dish so and you know, i think it's very uniquely thai today yeah it, i mean it's completely identified as being thai 
even if some of its roots definitely come from other places. But this is how food works. Everyone steals a little bit from everyone else until they make their own version of a dish that's even better than whatever the original versions exactly. were. Exactly. So, interestingly enough, once pad thai was dubbed the national dish, it really didn't take long for it to become stupidly popular throughout the country. It had a fantastic taste, which we all know and love. I love pad thai. You love pad thai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also was quick, easy to make, and it was also considered more sanitary to cook because of the extreme heat that they use in the woks. Compared to some of the way that people were cooking meals in other street stalls with street vendors, this frying process was seen as much more sanitary. Yeah, but it wasn't really just that that made the dish successful very quickly. It was this very strong nationalism and the fact that Pippin went on a mission to actually <laughs> promote this dish. He basically went, this is what I want people to eat. We're going to make sure they eat it. So it's sort of like those wartime things in England where, you know, it's just propaganda almost. He went to that level of going, you've got to eat this. This is the dish you're going to eat. So they started forcing various vendors out. They were banning Chinese vendors from selling the food they were making and running this campaign going, you should buy Thai. Buy Thai. Eat Thai food. That's what should be going on. And so they were also, they created this recipe for the dish that was sent around the country. It was given to different people around Thailand so they knew how to make it so that everyone would make that. Because, I mean, people couldn't necessarily afford to buy recipe books. They learned recipes from other people, other chefs. So when someone was handing out an actual recipe in those days, they went, okay, let's try this. And this is our national Thai dish. We're uniquely Thai. Let's go and make that. So, yeah, it was this huge national push by the leader to just get people to make this dish as their primary dish. It was pretty crazy. Exactly. And so while they were pushing hard for people to be cooking pad thai and they were pushing hard for Chinese vendors to not be cooking anything, it really uh, took hold within the Thai national identity. But the interesting thing is while this story of this national competition, and I say that I'm doing like the little the little finger finger marks. How do you call that? The little... Air quotes? Air quotes. I do this with air quotes. While the story of the national competition with air quotes to create a new dish, it sounds like a really great tale for the history books and it's a fantastic story for, you know, food podcasts to, yeah. you know, whip out. It is actually heavily contested. Even by Pibbin's own son who actually came out and said, oh yeah, my family's been cooking that dish for years. Like, way before... It, you know, they made a government policy. I got no idea who invented it, but oh yeah, we could, we ate that for ages before it was ever introduced. Yeah, this competition is definitely said to be the thing that's happening. Like everyone is quoting this. So maybe the propaganda that happened wasn't just the propaganda to make this dish that already existed become some Thai classic and a national dish, but also the propaganda maybe covered up its origins. Who knows? Exactly. So pretty much I'm going to just roll with it. I like the story of the competition. I like, you know, building of the nationalism and the building of the Thai identity. And I think it is a nice story to go along with the Pad Thai. Otherwise, it's just to have it just be like, oh, I don't know who made it. it some We had some cook that made it one time and they, it was just a leftovers meal. And I don't know, it just worked out. And that's what it is. I like the competition story. So I'm going to stick with that. So today, Pad Thai is one of the world's most loved dishes. 
Hopefully you've tried it. If you haven't, then hopefully... Oh, please go try it. Go try it. And if you're going to Thailand, which we hope you are, then go try it there. And we should talk about some restaurants where you should actually give it a go. Yes. So one of the biggest names on the Pad Thai circuit in Thailand is Pad Thai Tip Samar. And if you need any sort of hint as to the popularity of this place, just take a look at the queue that snakes along this pavement, even before it even opens. Before And all the way through the evening, there will be a line to eat at this place. They open about 5 p.m. every single night, and you will see a line out front of it every single night yeah it's crazy popular and there's a bunch of guys standing outside with very hot flames cooking with the woks throwing the noodles in getting some flames coming up around the side of the the wok and you know it's exciting to watch even if you're not going to wait in line to buy food although you probably should if you're only in bangkok for a few days then just walking past and seeing all the action that's happening is fantastic. You can choose from the original classic pad thai, which is cooked with those little dried shrimp, or you can also get this crazy version of pad thai that we tried when we were there. Now, instead of the little dried shrimp, they use full-size prawns. It is wrapped in a thin omelette. So it is actually fully contained. The whole pad thai is contained within this one omelette, and then you crack the omelette open, and you've got this really delicious pad thai inside it's not my favorite pad thai ever sorry it no. isn't i think it a lot of good. people would agree with that it is very good i but like it's not the my experience favorite. i like the place i like the history of it that it's like the place i don't think it's the best but i definitely think you should go and give it a try they put a lot of effort into it you know they say that the reason why the food there is unique is because they cook it with wood from mangrove trees which are sourced from a distant province that can't be harvested until they're at least 12 years old wow that i mean it almost sounds like it's made up but maybe yeah, it's know, maybe it's true they reckon that uh, each length of wood is arm length and it's cut you know, the chunks of the wood are equally as important as the heat. And they reckon that the fact the high quality iron woks, they use so much heat from this mangrove wood that they need to be replaced every two weeks. Jesus. Due to the intense heat of the charcoal fire that, you know, just flames these woks every single night, just cooking, 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 cooking pad thai. To be fair, if I buy a wok from a supermarket and I cook with it once a day for a year, they're probably cooking more than that in one night. Exactly. So no surprise they're getting through a walk every two weeks. They are smashing through that. Also, interestingly enough, the chefs that actually are allowed to cook the pad thai, and especially the ones that are allowed to encase it in the omelette, they must practice for more than three months to reach the point where they're allowed to wrap the pad thais in the omelette. And Isn't the guys that just do the wrapping part. Just do the not, wrapping part. Not the guys making the pad thai, not the guys making the omelette, the guys who wrap the pad thai inside the omelet. Exactly. And they reach a point where they can wrap four pad thais with a layer of egg in the space of 30 seconds. And they need to because that line is long. They are making a lot of pad thais every night. Yep. So these guys actually go through a seven-step training program before they're even allowed anywhere near the pad thai or the omelet wrapping station. So either way, whether it's the best pad thai ever or not, it is a place you should visit. It's an experience. Actually, the best pad thai we ever had my personal favorite was at Erawan Waterfalls, which is near the bridge over the River Kwai. This was really unique. We'd been out sort of swimming in the waterfalls all day, and it was just one of those random things of there's like a whole bunch of stalls set up, and we went, that one's doing some good smells, and that one's got a whole bunch of locals eating in it. So we went and sat down, and I have to agree, we had, well, we had this like 
seven years ago. Yeah, and it's oh, still- it's so long ago, and still it's seared in our mind as like the best pad thai we ever had. And just because, really, going back to what we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, they hit every single one of those food elements: the salty, the sweet, the spicy, and the sour. And they just combined them perfectly to make the perfect mouthful of yums. Yeah, and the noodles were just the right texture. Not overcooked. No. Not undercooked. And it was just actually. I mean, think for me. It was the fact that the tamarind stood out enough that you could know it was there, but it didn't overpower the dish. And a lot of other times, you get pad thai, you end up having to use lime to make the dish more sour to balance it. But if it comes out balanced, so you don't even really need the lime, then they've nailed it. That's like perfect. So it's definitely one of the best ones. I've ever had. Who knows? Maybe it was just the fact we were there on that day, and it was the perfect Serendipity. situation. Serendipity led to that being a dish that we actually both remember quite fondly. I couldn't we tell you. Had Thai a lot since then. I couldn't tell you exactly where the restaurant was, but I can tell you it was in the car park of Erwin Waterfalls, along with a number of other restaurants. And uh, there'll be a photo on the show notes. So if you want to find out exactly where those two restaurants are, and of course uh, some other information about Pad Thai, then head to the show notes for this episode at foodfuntravel.com/slash/padthaipodcast, all one word. And there you go. You can go and check that out. Okay, so do grab the show notes. Do head over to our website. Check that out. We've got a lot more episodes. If you didn't already listen to the Bangkok episode, we talk about a lot of other Thai dishes, Thai curries, Thai soups, things that we love, things that you can find in Bangkok when you next take a trip there. And so head over to that as well, foodfuntravel.com/bangkokpodcast, or just find it in your feed. Yeah, we're really trying to promote that Bangkok is not just a get in, get out kind of destination. I don't know why it got this reputation in the first place. I don't know. It outrages me. It, I am outraged. It's a super foodie destination. The amount of cuisine options in that episode, we talk about some of our favorites. But literally, there's hundreds. I'd say hundreds of Thai dishes that are uniquely Thai tasting yeah. and all just a little bit different. It's Amazing cuisine. If you're planning a trip to Bangkok, make sure you spend at least sort of a week there. I wouldn't just spend the the stopover, the 48 hours. And at don't all. go to Khao San Road. Khao San Road is balls, <laughs> sweaty backpacker balls. No one wants that. There are other very cheap places to stay in Bangkok, and then you can just head over to Khao San Road for the day if you really want to see what horrible stuff is going on there. I think Bangkok is a fantastic city with culinary exquisite exquisitry can i say exquisitry i don't think so no okay i think it's a fantastic city and actually you will find there are the number one asian restaurant in the world which is of course gagam is located in bangkok there is an amazing culinary world that is just booming and blossoming within bangkok and i really think more people should go and explore it yeah you might have to book way in advance but uh, do it, you know, do it. And if you get to eat there, let us know how it goes because we haven't been able to eat no, there. No, I haven't been to Gagan and I would love to. So yeah, once again, check out the show notes for this episode at foodfuntravel.com/slash pad thai podcast all one word and why not tweet us at tweet us at food fun travel and uh, we will respond to any of your tweets. Yeah, let us know if you think is this a dish that was created in a competition. Or was that all made up as propaganda? 
Before we finish the show, we just wanted to mention that you can help us keep this show going and help us make more episodes by becoming a patron. Head to foodfuntravel.com slash extras and find out a little more about the benefits of becoming a patron of the show. Uh, you'll get bonus episodes, early access to new episodes, even ones from upcoming seasons, and more. For just a couple of bucks a month, you can really help support this show and allow us the opportunity to commit more time to making new episodes. Yes, yeah, so go to foodfuntravel.com slash extras for more information and uh, to sign up and become a patron thank you thanks for listening to the dish don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on itunes or wherever you listen also come join our foodie community on facebook in the food worth traveling for facebook group catch you next time